First Samuel chapter 13, out of chapter 1. Let me say thanks a lot for your continuing to put up with me first Sunday of every year. It'll be a little more di difficult. You'll have to put out a little more effort on your part uh, due to my conditions because uh, my speech is, is not very, very good anymore. Can you hear me okay back there, Yancy? Yes, sir. Yeah, Yancy says yes. Uh, in case I give out through here, I've got myself like sitting right there, and I'll let him take over from there. Uh, you want to call this marriage counseling for men up here this morning is what we're going to talk on. First Samuel chapter one, verse one. Now there was a certain man I was with Ephraim about Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. The son of Jerusalem, son of yeah, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephrathite. Well, I don't wish that's too important necessarily to get the, all those pronunciations right. And I'm sure I didn't. Well, here this is about Elkanah. So Elkanah had two wives. That sounds like trouble in the family to me. I don't know what you're like. But he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other, Phanina. And Phanina had children, but Hannah had no children. There's no sign of trouble in the home right there. A huge cause of problems. This man, this Elkina, this man went up out of the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice only the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Now, Shiloh was a place where the tabernacle and the, and the Ark of the Covenant and all said for a long time, longer than it said in Jerusalem. But most people don't know much about Shiloh. That's an interesting study if you like to study on that. This man went up out of the city yearly to worship and the sacrifice under the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and daughters portions. That is, he gave them something to offer also to the Lord. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. So here he gives a special offering material to, to Hannah, to his, to his wife. And uh, like, like I said, it says in here that the king loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. I can see all kinds of sources of problems in this home. I guess you know the story very long. 
The Lord shall not forgive, and her adversary also provoked her sore. That's Provina. What would you call her, a sister, a wife-in-law? I don't know what kind of a term you use to refer to it, but this is the second, the second wife. Her adversary also provoked her sore, that means bad, to make her friend, because the Lord had set up her room. And as it did, so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did eat. So Pelina is a, you might say, kind of shame with her. Uh, Hannah, and um, they were trying to brag about the fact that she, that she has, uh, has children and all, and Hannah doesn't, and making Hannah feel bad. Well, the Bible says she wept and did not eat. So I guess Penina was really kind of a, a hard-hearted lady in a way. Then said Elkanah unto her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Most of this. And not I better to thee than ten sons I tell you, most sons would uh, swim the rivers and climb the highest mountain to take care of mama and help mama. Uh, everybody's really been nice to me with what I've been going through with this cancer. But if Cheryl was dealing with it, there'd be ten times as many people taking care of her, I guarantee you. But anyway, he said, now why not better to you than ten sons? Even Jesus pointed out the importance of a son taking care of a mother. In the book of uh, John, I've got my notes here. John chapter 21, I think. Well, John 1, uh, John 19, verse 26 and 27. Jesus hanging on the cross. He knew he was fixing to die. Now, I don't know what happened to Joseph, his earthly father. I don't know what happened to him. But anyway, he seemed not to be around, so evidently he had passed away. And Jesus felt the responsibility of being there when his mother needed help, that he could step in and do that. But now he knows he's fixing to die. He's hanging on the cross. He looks out and he sees a lot of people out there, and he spots his mother. And immediately, the thoughts of sorrow went through his heart on behalf of his mother. He never saw himself over his death, but he was concerned about his mama. The apostle John was standing back there. He said, John, behold my mother. Mother, behold my son. And so it was that John took Mary, Jesus' mother, and took care of her as long as she lived. So like I said, sons ought to take care of their mothers. But now the Elkanah, Am I not better to you than ten sons? I don't know whether he was just brilliant. I don't know whether he really meant that way, but that was really true. He evidently was a very good father and a very good husband, even though he had to share his husband's position with his, with his other wife also. So the Bible here says that Elkanah said, Am I not better to you than ten sons? And I want all you men to think, you women to, of course, don't go to sleep. 
Well, the only way you need to think about yourself and your responsibilities are your relationship to your wife. What kind of relationship have you got? We want to notice some areas of the Bible says the Bible speaks of a man's responsibility to his wife. One, he is to love her. Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave herself for it. Now, here, here he talks about how much Christ loved the church, loved the church to the point he gave his life for it. Now he says, husbands, you should love your wife that way. Well, someone said, well, you don't know what I'm married to, Jerry. What kind of people do you think Christ died for? What kind of people do you think Christ died for? The husband is the love of God because Christ loved the church. Even to the point of giving his life. Do you love your wife like you should? The word love here comes from a word that means more than just a feeling you have in your heart. But also has to do with, with your actions towards her. Uh, what is that Greek word, Mike? Agape, yeah. And this is the kind of, that kind of love means something that you feel in your heart all right, but you do for people. If you have love for someone, you do things for them. Do you do things for your wife? Do you love your wife as you should? The Bible says if he's about 28, he who loves his wife loves himself. And most of us do that, don't we? Probably more than we should. But uh, all husbands should love his wife to the point that he would do his life for her. Now I had trouble with this one time when I was preaching because Cheryl was sitting there. And I said, well, you say you love your wife, yet you fuss with her. I couldn't win an argument with Cheryl for a long time after that because she remembers what I said, you know. I haven't been the perfect husband, that's for sure, and I'm first to, to admit that to you. The Bible says, Colossians 3, verse 19, Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. You know, bitterness is an upset, it's an upset, and aggravating that just hangs on and hangs on and hangs on. Bitterness is, is not good. And especially if a wife is going to submit herself out of her husband, he should, not, he should not treat her with bitterness. He should not be bitter towards her. Even if she's not perfect, he shouldn't be bitter. And a woman shouldn't have to put up with that. Now, I'm not telling you to leave your husbands if he's aggravated at you. But what I'm saying is, you men, you should not be bitter against your wives. You should be very considerate of her. First Peter 3, verse 7 says that the husband should not. Uh, Honor his wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, don't misunderstand that. The vessel is a container, not the contents. Women are just as sharp and smart as men are, sometimes just as dedicated as men are. But as far as physical is concerned, now, I know women can put up with a lot, but women just don't have the strength that men do. And, uh, Sometimes they think it's time to go home and the man may not think it is. The reason I 
say that that's been a falsified through the years. You know, uh, but you've got to consider your life and as, a, as a weaker vessel. Remember that. Keep that in mind. She can't run all over the world like you can. I thought when I got married and I had we had children, that my wife and children had to go with me on all my gospel meetings and everywhere I went. You know, as uh, as long as they were as long as they were able. But uh, when when you have little children and they're going to be up late every night during a gospel meeting in a strange person's home, you know. Listen, that begins to wear and tear on your wife, and you need to be considerate of that. Used to us to church, I'd go home with someone, we'd talk till 12 or 1 o'clock at night, and my wife was there, and the kids, and by the kids, I'm talking about Mike. He was the kid that was there. Uh, so I said, what about the other kids? Well, by the time they got a little grown at all, I learned a few things. The Bible says, Ephesians 4:32, to be kind and tender-hearted one to another. Kind is the way you, what you do, uh, the tender-hearted has to do with the way you think. So we should, our thanks and our actions should be good towards everybody. And there's no place that this scripture is more valuable than in marriage in the home. The husband should be kind, that means treat her right and tenderhearted that is feel right towards her in his heart. So, how'd you lean up on that, man? I'm sure most of you are very good husbands. Another thing, he needs to be faithful to her. Genesis 2 verse 24 says that he should leave his father and mother and be joined under his wife, and they too should be, be one flesh. Sometimes you, you have to include it to your wife. You have to leave mother and father. But what do you mean by that? Well, I tell you, moms and dads raise these children up and they love them and they're concerned about it after they leave home and even after they're married. But you need to remember not to muddle in their business. And sometimes a mom or a father have such a hard time letting go that if you're going to be a good father, you need to get your wife away from there. Well, how far would you have to move? Well, I've seen situations where a young couple could live with mom and dad and do just fine. But I've seen situations where maybe they needed to move to old Mexico or something to get some distance, you know. And uh, be patient with your in-laws. Be patient with them. But remember your wife, and you need to leave your mother and father and cleave unto your wife. He was 13 for the bird is honorable, but the fornicator and the daughter of real God judge. You know, uh, one of the worst things you can do is to run around on your wife. I know they get things straightened out, they get forgiveness and sometimes hold a marriage together. Sometimes they can. But even if they can't hold a marriage together, you break a bond of trust. 
It's hard to ever build back, and I doubt you're ever going to build back 100% the trust that you initially had when you first got married. Uh, so, uh, fornication is given as a just cause for divorce and remarriage. And in Matthew 19, 9, okay, not only should, should you be faithful to your wife, but also you should be her leader. In Ephesians 5, 22-24, says the wife, uh, wives love your husbands as unto the Lord. Uh, Oh, um, let me flip over right quick. I've quoted that a jillion times before. I've got a new Bible up here. The pen shrunk too much on my old Bible. <laughs> Here's some of y'all snickering, y'all understand. Okay, Ephesians 5. <laughs> 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. <coughs> you know, the first marriage I ever preached lasted about two years. Before that wedding, if I had had a little more experience at all, I just wouldn't preach the wedding at all. But this boy could not make decisions of any kind. His mother still had to comb his hair, and that's okay to comb your son's hair and all, but it was something he that he depended on. So when he got married, he didn't make any decisions. She made all the decisions. And after a couple of years' time, she got tired of it. Now, she shouldn't have done that, that's for sure. But you know, to, to be the heavy wife is important in a marriage. Uh, So the husband is to lead the wife. Most women want their husbands to be the knight in shining armor, to take care of things that they can't take care of or that they have to deal with. And so you need to have the ability to make decisions. I don't mean to make decisions, not even consider what your wife thinks about things, but you need the ability to make decisions because they have to be made sometimes. And a good husband will do that. First Timothy 24 and Paul giving qualifications for everyone he is to rule his house. So he is to be the elder's wife, he is to rule his house, and to leave his father and mother and be joined under his wife. And another thing to make a fellow a good husband and a good good father, if he has children, is he is to provide for the needs of the family. 
1 Timothy 5 verse 8, Paul was told Timothy that he that provided not for his own is worse than an infidel and has denied the truth. You know. So he was to provide for your your own house, your relatives, your descendants, those that are, are that need help. And you're to provide for her. If she's going to submit herself to you for you to be the head of the house, you need to provide for the needs of your wife. Not that it's not just the necessity, not, not all of the all of the great things of this world, you know. We should provide for the necessities of his wife. He is to nourish his wife, Ephesians 5, 29. And also, I will turn to 1 Corinthians 7. Read the first five verses. That's Second Corinthians. There are responsibilities that a man has towards his wife, and vice versa. Now concerning the things which have revealed unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, that every man have his own wife, and every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband has not power of her own body, but the father, the wife. Defile thee not one the other, that's refusing. Defile thee not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and to prayer. It's only for religious reasons at a certain length of time should you abstain from this responsibility here. I won't make a lot of comment on that, but I think most of y'all understand it. And they, those of you that don't understand it are probably too young to understand it. So, he is to provide for the woman, provide for her, for her needs and uh, any other needs that she might have. A good husband lets his wife run the house. So, is that right? Well, we right here, first in five thirteen. She is to guide the house. Now, to guide, this is similar to First Timothy two and verse five, where she is to be a keeper at home. Well, a keeper to understand that. Remember the Philippian jailer. He was a keeper of the prison, the keeper of the jail. He was a guard. So the woman is to be a guard of the home, a guard of the family. And she is to guide the house. Now I've known husbands that wouldn't let their wife hardly do anything because they were the head of the house, you know? That kind of stuff. Listen, that, that won't work very good in a marriage. The woman is to guide the house. Husbands, let your wife guide the house. And that probably means a little more than just keeping the dishes washed. 
Father Fortune just wondered why he wanted to use her whole house. Here's another thing that a good father, a good husband does. Galatians 2 verse 18, God says, not good for men to live alone, I'll make it help me for him. Now, not help me. She didn't help me. But help me, the word me means uh, equal to, you know. God made a helper equal to the needs of man. Not good to mention, even though I'll make it help me for her. Uh, but you know, there's some husbands think they know so much they won't even let a wife help them. I hope I haven't been that way, that way in the past. But I surely have been dependent upon my wife going through what I'm going through. Because my eyesight's not good, my stability is not good. And my thinking sometimes just goes completely kaput. Let your wife help you. You don't hurt anything. You don't bother anything. And it makes the Lord happy with you. Let your wife help you. That's the reason. That's one of the reasons God made the woman to be a helper to the man. So if you're going to be a good husband, you need to let your wife uh, help you. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, if two walk together, there is a beneficial because if one falls down, the other will help him up. But if one walks alone and he falls, how shall he be helped? So it's very, very important then that a, that a husband lets his wife help her along the way. It's a difficult, long, long road when a guy won't accept help from his wife. Proverbs 31, verse 9 and 10, talks about the virtuous woman, his heart safely trusts in her. You should have trust in your wife. You know, another thing that makes a man a good husband is if he's a good father. Now, I know when you're young, you've been married long, you don't have children. This might not mean as much to you as what he's talking about here. Uh, to be a good husband, you need to be a good father. Now, listen. When those children come in this world, it's not long before they've got a big piece of mama's heart. And I tell you, they'll hold a piece of mama's heart as long as they're alive, as long as she's alive. They'll hold a big piece of their heart even when children come along, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren. So children are very precious to their mother. And as a result, uh, you should not mistreat your wife, the mother of your children. Uh, another thing to make you a good husband is you serve the Lord together with your wife. First Peter 3, verse 7 again. Husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto the weaker of all. on being heirs together of the grace of life. So you should pray together and your heirs together of eternal life, no, of the grace of life, the gift of life itself. You and your wife should enjoy the gifts of life that you have together with one another. 
Now the guys to go fishing, the guys to go hunting, the women to go shopping. That's going to happen some. But don't let that always be the case and situation. Says to do that, that your prayers be not hindered, indicating that husbands and wives will pray together. So you should pray together for, to the Lord, and you should uh, help one another whatever you can. Another thing, Hebrews 10, 25, for second, not the assembling of yourselves together, but to join one another so much more as you see the day approaching. So it's important that you attend this in the church. It's important that you attend together. One goes to church and another one doesn't. That's not a good situation. It's not a good spiritual situation for your family. You should pray together and you should attend the services together. Now, I'm almost through with my notes. What am I going to do? We'll bring things to an end pretty quick. Ephesians 5, 33 says, Wife should reverence her husband. Now, wives, do you reverence your husband? I don't think that means you have to call him reverend. But do you really reverence your husband? That means he has a lot of respect. Even if he's not a perfect man, which none of us are, you should have a lot of respect for that man and treat him with a lot of respect. Now, First Peter 3, verse 7, again for the third time, here he talks about husbands uh, should honor their, their wives. Treat them with honor and respect. You should treat your wife like she's a queen of the house. But the queen of the world, she is a queen of the house. And you should treat her so. So you should treat her with honor and respect. And the wife should treat her husband uh, in a reverent way. You know, she should... First Peter 3 verse 7, we notice Proverbs 21 verse 28. Here the Bible says a virtuous woman, that's a good woman, a good wife, is to be blessed. And her father should bless her uh, and praise her. Do you do that? Do you respect your wife? Do you honor your wife? Do you praise your wife? You know, you can be the kind of a husband you want to be, or you can selfishly be whatever you want to do and be. The choice is up to you. Fathers, what kind of a husband are you? How do you measure up there? It might be you get home, your wife might measure you up to these things. I don't know. She probably did that before she got married to you. Well, that's all I have to say. It's very important to be a good father. Very, very important to be a good husband. Good marriages are the backbone of a church. I know one time I, one time I moved one place and they didn't have a two song, two song leaders and nobody could give talks. And so I moved there with the purpose of developing some teachers and leadership in that church. A week before I moved there, one of those song leaders went off with the other's wife. Well, you can imagine the kind of situation I was stepping into. But the other old couple just got gone completely. Gone completely. And I kind of got tickled at it. The husband. 
Later on, we were driving through the town. He said, stop! I stopped. We stopped and heard this ex-song leader and his other song leader's wife had moved. And they lived there and stopped. And he was outside on a ladder. He was cleaning the gunner or the eaves or something. She was standing on the ground yelling and screaming at him. This guy rolled his windows down and said, how do you like her now? <laughs> and he said, let's go. So we got out of there pretty quick. Kind of reminds me of that song by Toby Keith, How Do You Like Me Now? But uh, in a way, I imagine he was a little bit relieved to get away from that situation. All right, we're going to sing an invitation song at this time. If you're here and you need the prayers of the church for any reason, or if you need to be baptized into Christ, if you're a husband, you should be a member of the church. You should be baptized into Christ. I've known women whose husbands didn't obey the gospel and did the whole world long life. That's, that makes it difficult on, on the wife. This time we're singing the invitation song. And if you guys be baptized, when you decide to pray to the church, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.